You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is going to literature recovering lost gems. Well, I, this week, because of Shavos Abatamas, our regularly scheduled cheer was really not able to be presented on Zoom. And instead of speaking into a, uh, a regular uh, Zoom recording without anyone actually listening at the time, I decided to go back and recover something that we did a couple of years ago, which was the Rambam's critique of the Bahag and his purpose in setting the record straight in Sefer HaMitzvah and the Ramban's response to that and the Ramban's uh, showing that perhaps the Rambam had erred in his understanding of in many aspects of what the Bahag meant. So since the Bahag is in a way uh, a central theme, and of course this is a shir on Gaonim, I thought it'd be worthwhile uh, to go back and revisit that episode. Uh, I think it, uh, it's only been a couple of years, but I think a re-listen uh, will bring to life a lot of the strident and personal energies of both the Rambam, the Ramban, and their relationship to the Baal Hilchas Kedolos. So I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. We start with the Rambam. Now, the Rambam, if you see here, this is the uh, introduction to um, the parish, the, the Sefer Mitzvos. And you can see it up here on the board, everyone. And you can see it's in Arabic on one side and Hebrew on the other side. And this is the, uh, the work of Rabbi Yosef Kapach's translation. And basically, he's explaining why he is writing this book called that we now know as the Sefer Mitzvos. And he basically says, and I'm going to paraphrase here, he says, I've written a great work on the Mishnah. Now, I make it sound like the Rambam is sort of a, a Balgaiva. Uh, he, does, he doesn't say it's great, but he does say it's a Hebrew Mufursam. He, he does say it's a Hebrew Mufursam. He says, I, I wrote a pretty, pretty good work. Um, and, and, and explained, um, you know, explained a lot about the Mishnahis, but I, I realized I still had work to do. Um, I didn't yet explain everything that was Oster and Mutter. So therefore, I'm going to write a different work, which he calls a kibbutz, which is, of course, the Mishnah Torah, which is going to have everything. And, and he says, and I'm going to do what I usually do, Bamashim and Hagilasos. Once again, and we're used to people speaking about themselves and their and the way they do things. Sometimes when we speak about great, great modest people, they don't talk that way. And the Rambam in many ways enveloped, you know, evinced modesty in many, many ways. But when you write a book, you've got to come out and, and, and be strong. And he said, look, I'm going to do what I usually do. I'm not going to mention the Machlokas. I'm just going to do Allah Psukah. Um, and you're going to be able to use it for everything that you need. Okay, no wallflower here, the Rambam. And I'm going to get rid of all the asmachtos. And I'm going to get rid of mentioning all the different names. It's just going to be confusing. And we all, the Rambam repeats this in his Akdama to the Mishnah Torah. Okay. Then he explains why he's going to write the book in the Lang, in the Mishnah Torah, in, in Mishnaic Hebrew. And this is a beautiful piece. Uh, Isidore Tversky has analyzed it thoroughly about the language that the Rambam uses. Why he came up with a new type of language that had not been used up until now. A subtle dig at the riff and the other uh, commentators who write in a combination of Aramaic and Hebrew. Um, and, he, and he explains why that isn't a proper language to use for his work. Because he says it's it's an elitist way to write, and he says and, and, and if you use sort of rabbinic Hebrew uh, Talmudic Hebrew the language or the Aramaic style that the Bahag one of the people we're going to speak about tonight and and and, and the riff were written in it's not going to 
reach the greatest audience. So he says, I'm, I, I, I am going to therefore borrow the Mishnah's language. Lashon HaKodesh can't do it. Tanakh language can't do it. The Mishnah, though, which of course was his first major work, which the Rambam was so skilled in, he's going to extract and use the Mishnahic language in order to expand that. Okay. And then he's going to say, you're going to be able to, um, you're going to be able to use this book. It's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be in it, etc. We all know, again, that's very familiar. Now, the Rambam then says that my, I, I then was stumped a little bit, the Rambam says, how I should, how, how the book should be structured. I know at the end of the day, the book will give you all the laws of Tarish Shabiksav and Tarish Shabalpeh. But how should it be developed? In other words, how many sections should it be? How should it work? In other words, should I sort of base it on the Mishnah and make it six sections like that? Or maybe I should come up with something easier. And he says, you know what I think I'm going to do? He says, I'm going to sort of make it like a Mishnah. It's going to be halachos instead of like a Mishnah that says, a Mishnah that might include many, many halachos. I'm going to create my own little pseudo-Mishnayot, which I'm going to call Hilchos Sukkah. Hilchos, as we know when he talks here, Hilchos Megillah V'Chanukah. Hilchos Shofar, Hilchos Shvisas Asor, about Yom Kippur. And he says that's going to be instead of the Mesechtos of the Mishnah. Now, and those Halakos will have chapters, just like Rebbe and the Mishnah did. Of course, he's going to be more, <laughs> he's not going to go off on a tangent like Rebbe and the Mishnah does. People that know the first parak of Megillah realize that the, the end of the first parak has nothing to do with Megillah. Many, many prokem in Mesechtas Gitan have nothing to do with, 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 with Gitan at all. You have a whole parak that has to do with the uh, Takanos that, 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 that were an offshoot of Prusbo and other Takanos that help the community. So he's not go, he's going to create a better Mishnah. He's going to sort of borrow the language of the Mishnah, upgrade it a little bit, and he's also going to create his own Mesechtos with chapters that are going to be even more organized. Rabbi Kivalevich? Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Is this, this is, I thought, uh, the Hagama to Sefer Hamitzvot, right? Right. Right. Okay. So he's actually writing about what he's going to yes. do with Akdama, about what he's going to do in the Mishnah Torah. Yes. Not yes. Yes, Bob. Work. Okay. Yes, Bob. In fact, <laughs> you're going to see in a minute how the Sefer Mitzvahs, which we I, I mentioned a number of weeks ago from the Rashbats, remember, is this crown jewel of thought and, and genius. And together with the Ramban, it's like this incredible work. It really is, was an afterthought of the Rambam because, and you'll see in a minute why. This is why it's so ironic that, you know, that it's, he's really just talking about, you're right, Bob, Mishnah Torah. And he mentions here that in order for Mishnah Torah to work, I want there to be chapters and I want each chapter to have sections. In other words, each chapter will have sentences. And the reason I want, which he calls halacha aleph, halacha beis, the reason is, is because I want people to be able to memorize it. So if, therefore, if there's a cutoff, Oh, they can memorize that and go on to the next one. Instead of one long sentence, which is very hard, a paragraph, which is hard to memorize, the Rambam uh, chopped up the the laws in a way that would allow them to be studied easily and also the next step, which he hoped it would lead to, for people to have them memorized in their mind to know his exact language. Now, he says that uh, if that's the way it's going to be, um, in other words, since I also want people to know how each, that each mesechta, which he calls, each group of halachos, 
has the Torah in it, and it has the mitzvahs and the Torah that you need to know, I realized that um, what I need to do, I need to indicate how each chap, how each mesechta, or each book, so to speak, each pseudo-mesechta, includes various mitzvos. So this way you'll know, before you start, by studying this, let's say, Hilchos Mezuzah, these are the mitzvos you're going to get. Maybe it's going to be one mitzvah. Maybe it's going to be many mitzvahs. For example, in Hilchos Avodah Zorah, there's, there's, there's a, a tremendous amount of mitzvahs, he says. Mesus Mediach, Mavrimamolech, okay? Isurim Izbeach, there's going to be a whole bunch of that. So therefore, it would be important for the reader to know how, by studying my work, the various mitzvahs that I'm going to include while I'm explaining these laws. So therefore, I understood that before the book starts, <clears throat> I need to have a list of all the mitzvahs. And this way, people will see, because I'm so organized, they'll see that, <clears throat> oh boy, you touched every single mitzvah. And people will see how complete my work is. So therefore, in the very beginning of Mishnah Torah, there is a list of all the mitzvahs. Now, and then after I do that, I'll say, which, how many mitzvahs go in each book? How many mitzvahs are in Avodah Zorah? How many are in Essay? How many are Losazay? First of all, it's a good reminder for me. <laughs> I'll know that I didn't leave anything out. And people will see, obviously, in a modest way, the Rambam is saying, that he covered everything. But then, as I started to write the book, and I started putting down all the mitzvahs, and to put them there in the beginning of my Mishnah Torah, because this way, the person will really appreciate it when they learn it. Uh-oh. Tokfani Tsar. I was taken over by pain. Tokfani Tsar. Many years I've had this pain. He says, this idea of counting mitzvos, people have made mistakes about them that I can't even describe how weird they are. And I wasn't the first one to put the amount of mitzvos down. But anyone who's worked on it, who's written some sort of book about it, they all went after Baal Hilchot, Gedolot. Now, we're not sure who he was. We know that he was 300 years at least, about the year 840 or maybe earlier before the Rambam. 300 years previous to the Rambam. So he happened to have written a work where he was going through the Halachos from Shas. So there's a Hakadama to the Bahag that's sort of a, 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 a praise of God followed by a list of all the mitzvahs with an indicator of how you get 613, in fact. It's not so simple because there's been many versions. I can show you the Bahag and show you what he says, but I, I, I'd rather let the Rambam speak about it. So the Rambam now says that the Bahag's list was accepted and everybody who worked on mitzvahs after him they all followed his sampling, his list. And they all took his number, his numbering. Some, maybe some people varied a little bit. It's almost as if the people's mind stopped by this man. It's like everyone just, and here you see the Rambam's personality. This is not what he, he can't stand this. He can't stand the fact that there was this big gadol that everybody used his works, and therefore even the non-halachic part of his work, the sefer mitzvahs part, the, the minion of mitzvahs, becomes standard and entrenched in everybody's mind. And he says there is another sefer mitzvahs called the sefer mitzvahs of Rav Chayfetz, which was written about 
150 years before the Rambam, let's say. Arbas Alofim Tov Tov, which is, um, that would be um, 1040. About a, a, about 150 years before the Rambam, let's say. There was a very famous book. We, we only have pieces of it. It's called the Sefer Mitzvahs of Chefetz Ben Yatzliach. So I see that he sort of criticizes the Bahag for counting the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim and Nicham Avelim. But I agree that's probably, a, a, you know, maybe they shouldn't be counted as separate mitzvahs. But Chefetz went lockstep with Bahag in things that are more strange. Because Chefetz also counted, as Rav Kahati points out, he counts rabbinical mitzvos. I'm sorry. Chefetz counts other things that are strange, which are the various punishments of Bezdin. He counts them all in a separate way. Krisus, Skilos, Reifa. But he says, Whenever I think of the mistakes of the rabbis, the important people, from the Bahag down, they, they, they count what anybody from any sort of essential thinking, any primary thinking about this subject would reject it. All you got to do is think about it, not in the deepest philosophical way, even thinking about it in any real beginning way of thought, you should reject it. And not only did they not do that, everyone just followed each other. So I say, how terrible it is. What's happened to the state of wisdom? What's going on with us? The Rambam is saying, look how bad things are. This is what Yeshaya Novi said is going to happen to us. That you're going to see prophecy. You're going to see the words of God. And it's like a closed book. The Pesach in Yeshaya says, You're going to give it to someone who should know. Someone who's skilled, who's trained, who's studied. He's going to look at that book and he should know what it is. Lamor, you're going to tell him, Read it. This is all Pesach in Yeshaya. Lamor says, I can't. It's too close to me. That's what Yeshaya Novi said was going to happen to the Jewish people. It's happened to us now. We have the Torah, which is open and clear. We have the Shas, which, which, which Baruch Hashem has been preserved. And people look at the Torah and don't understand it. They don't understand how, what, what's a, how to count mitzvahs. They don't, and everybody, right? He says, now, that, that's the books. There's other things that have entrenched this, these mistakes. And that is the, that is what happens on Shavuos and other essential days that the Azharot that have been basically composed in the Spanish countries and they read them and they study them. They're part of the Machzor that are studied on Shavuos. And in those, uh, Azharot, there's a list. We talked about, uh, Rashbats, of course, wrote his commentary on Ibn Gabiro's Azharot. So these Azharot basically are poetic readings of all the mitzvos that people would st- people would make part of their davening. Sometimes it was right before Kriyas HaTorah on Shluos, or it was part of Shachris or part of Musaf, where they would glory and relish the beauty of all the mitzvos. And most of them were had 613. And yet... Once again, what was included in there was all the mistakes of the Bahag. And he says, I don't blame them because they were poets. They weren't Chachamim. And basically, what was their job to do? Their job to do was to write nice poetry, to make it sound beautiful, to make the, to make the line intersect with the other. They did that beautifully. But they, they based themselves on the Bahag and the other Chachamim. And he says, since I know 
how because of the, the people, the same way everybody knows Ashrei and knows uh, Karl Bach's uh, Vosevoshi, right? Everybody knew in those days the minion. People didn't have a million things that, that were taking their mind away from Torah. Everybody went to shul and everybody, most people, meaning the target audience for Mishnah Torah, everyone, would would have a a different understanding of what Tariyag Mitzvahs were. The Rambam, again, because he's sort of Germanic stickler, I'm going to write all the mitzvahs, and I'm going to write my what I understand to be all the mitzvahs, because I want my book to be complete, and I'm going to put that in the beginning of my book, and people will read it and see which mitzvahs are dealt with, and when they study the chapters, and all of a sudden what's going to happen, what's going to happen is, is they're going to come and see, wait, that's not the way the mitzvahs are. Where's the mitzvahs that I remember from Shulos? And he says, because Hakore Arishon Shiyikru Yala Belibo Shazatos. Right away when the book starts, they're going to say, hey, I've made a big mistake and my, this book is full of mistakes. They're going to say about the Rambam's book. And you know what the proof is? He also had of ploni or ploni. It goes against what Chayfetz Ben Yatsuyach wrote. It goes against what's in the Azaros. All the books that are older than the Rambam's book. That's what most people think. The way you know something is true is based on how does it line up to what came before it. That's how you know something is true. And again, you see the Rambam is being facetious here in a way. He says, most of the Yechide Skula, most of the great people think, hey, how do I know something is true? Well, how much does it jive with what this other person wrote? Maybe instead of checking me out in the light of the other person, maybe you should check what the previous people have written out. That's, that's the, those are the Tamina Chalkamim. Koshkein Hamon, for sure the people that aren't so learned, they for sure think something is correct based on, hey, I never heard that before. That's not what so-and-so says. Lachain, he figures like this. The only way I'm going to put a, a stop to that type of criticism, which might upend the whole apple cart of my book, because if people think it's got this mistake in it, they're not going to, that'll somehow stay with them. And that might uh, lessen the impact. That might blunt the force of what the Mishnah Torah is supposed to be. So therefore, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to, I'm going to write this Maimar before the book. The Maimar Lefnei HaChibor. In other words, the Chibor is the Kibbutz, that's Mishnah Torah. And this book is only called a Maimar. It's like a big essay. Uh, and in that, I'm going to explain how to count what's considered a mitzvah. And I'm going to quote Psukim from the Torah. And I'm going to show exactly what are the principles that I base myself on. And then you're going to see from there the mistake of everybody else. And now, again, the Rambam really trusts his readership. I don't need to write letters to the people who think I'm wrong because basically I'm going to circulate this book in Arabic. I'm not going to be in Mishnah Hebrew just like the Mishnah Torah because it's not the Mishnah Torah. It's an adjunct. It's going to be written in Arabic. But anybody who reads this will be able to see how correct my thing is. And he says, I'm going to, therefore, not only explain what's a mitzvah, I'm going to explain each mitzvah in a brief fashion. Um, and this way, uh, there won't be any doubts. And he says, I'm not really going to, um, um, he says, I, I'm not, all I'm going to do is uh, give a brief explanation of each mitzvah. I'm not, I'm just going to explain what it is. Remember, we talked about when it comes to the mitzvah of davening. Uh, what it really means. And then uh, once you have this book, you'll be able to go to the next book, which is the Chibor. In other words, once you know the proofs from the Mimer, in the Chibor, I'm not going to have to go into such depth. So that is really the reason why he has to write this book. In other words, the Bahag is the main villain here. I'm going to call him a villain. But the Bahag and what the Bahag wrought and the lack of intellectualism, and the lack of thought, 
and the spread of the poetry. All of that led the Rambam to the situation where he needed to make his case. And then the Rambam says, I've got 14 principles. And as he says that... Um, as he says over here, the people who've made mistakes don't realize what these 14 principles are. And of course, the first one is, you do not count rabbinical mitzvos. And the Bahag did, as I said before. Um, the Ramam says that this is such a simple thing So this is such a simple thing that I shouldn't even have to explain it. What does the Gemara? What does the Gemara say? The Gemara Mako says six thirteen mitzvahs from Sinai. How can you say something rabbinical is is from Sinai? And I see shekvar tobo umonu ner mikra megillah b'klal mitzvahs say. Again, the Bahad counts them both. By the way. Besides Ner Hanukkah and Mikra Megillah, besides those two, there's going to be other things. The the um, other than the Bahag, although it's not clear that the Rambam was familiar with him, Reb Sadiago also counts these two as mitzvos. A hundred brachos. We talked about Nicham Avelim, and this is the other one that has a, re- a reference to Hanukkah. Eighteen days to finish Alel. What are part of those 18 days? Eight days of Hanukkah. Here comes the Rambam's mocking tone on the Bahag and Rafsadya. His bonane vehispale. Think about it and be in shock. Be wondrous. You see the words Moshe Bissinai and you have Halel that David Amelech wrote to praise God. Everyone knows historically Halel was written by David. By King David, how can you say that Moshe that we were commanded to say Hallel? The 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 Hallel is made up of words and ideas constructed together by someone. How many years later? Right, we're talking about uh, uh, you know basically seven hundred, almost seven hundred years later. Not seven hundred. Uh, 400 and odd years later. Shemoshin Itztavabo? How could you have near Hanukkah that the Chachamim have in Bayesheni and Mikra Megillah? Is there anybody who would think, who would even imagine that somehow Moshe was told at Harsinai, hey, tell the Jews that if this happens, right? Like, 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 like Marty McFly, uh, telling, uh, you know, Marty McFly telling his kids, uh, telling his parents to name their son Marty, right? Right, 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 in, in, in Back to the Future. Do you think that Moshe Rabbeinu was somehow telling, telling the Jews that if this happens, that if you're, if this will occur and there was a tradition that there should be near Hanukkah, that somehow there was a passed over tradition from Harsinai, from Moshe Rabbeinu? How could anybody even imagine such a strange thing? Now, what could get great men like the Bahag and Sadyagon to say such a thing? It must be the bracha. The bracha, which the Gemara says, right? We say, and we also make a bracha, and the Gemara asks about Ner Hanukkah, and one of the Gemara's answers, the Rambam does not mention the second one, is Leisosur, Rabavia, Leisosur, Mikol Adavar. Okay. Now, from there, it would seem that the Gemara says that we are commanded, and it is a mitzvah, and therefore it's part of the Taryag mitzvos because it comes from Leisosur. And maybe that's why Hanukkah can be considered Minatorah. And a halal can be considered minatora. It's a takana from a later bezdin, but you're supposed to listen to that bezdin because Moshe Rabbeinu said so. So the Rambam says, if that's the case, 
Now here is where the Rambam, in making in staging his attack, reveals a very strange opinion. And I guess I I need to do justice to this, although it has really not much to do. Although it does a little have a little to do with Hanukkah and all mitzvahs the Rabbanon. He says if the Bachag's reason for counting near Hanukkah was because of Leisosur, then every rabbinical law is part of Leisosur. Whatever they tell us to do, whatever they tell us not to do, is based on what it says in Parsha Shoftim. And anything that they were misaking or taught in other words, it could have been a takana not to eat chicken with meat, chicken with milk. All of that is from Loisosur. It could explain what tefillin is. How does it look? That's Loisosur. Anything the rabbis do in terms of explaining what the words of the mitzvah mean, anything that they set up as a getter or siog, or any sort of takana like Right, a takana like Erevin, a takana like Megillus Esther, or Krias Atayro, all of those things are low saucer. So if that's true, then the Bahag should count hundreds and hundreds of mitzvahs, thousands of mitzvahs. Maduin asiach to Eivu Muzilosan, Netivas Yadayim, Erevin, should also be a mitzvah. First of all, you make the same bracha. And if that's so, he says, I'm trying to explain this because don't tell me that Mikra Megillah is more than a Darabanan because it was done in the time of the Nevi'im. The Gemara keeps on saying that Megillah is the Rabbanan. And the truth is, Erevin was also at a time of, of prophecy. Shlomo HaMelech was a, and Ben David, the Rambam feels Shlomo was very close to a, a, a Navi, and he had Nevi'im with him. So even though Nevi'im were involved in creating Kriyas Megillah, and Nevi'im were involved in creating the Lachos of Erevin, even if you find the mitzvah, uh, he says that the Bahag quotes the special mitzvah of clothing the, the naked, people who don't have clothing. And they saw the Pusik in Yeshaya. It's, they feel, oh, it must be from the Torah because it's from a Novi. The truth is that what the Novi did was just explain the mitzvah of the Torah. So it's not like it's a mitzvah from the Novi. The Novi just explained, do you know how to do tzedakah? The way you do tzedakah is Yeshaya decided to tell people how to fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah. It's not just giving cash. It's also to feed. It's also if someone doesn't have clothing. It's also if someone doesn't have bedding. It's if someone isn't married and needs to find a shidduch. If someone has recently lost his money and you need to, 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 to ease him into his new life. All that is Yeshai is teaching us as part of the mitzvah tzedakah. But the fact that the Nevi'im speak about it doesn't turn it into a mitzvah. Then he says the people who count all of these as separate mitzvahs. It's almost as if they don't know how to learn Gemara. The Gemara in Shavuot says that when it speaks about Moshe um, referring to the whole Jewish people and saying, I make all of you swear and you will fulfill all the mitzvahs. This was an Arvaz Moav. This is in Parshas Nitzavim. So the Gemara in Shavuah says that when Moshe Rabbeinu gave that Shavuah, the Gemara says, not only the mitzvahs of our Sinai do you have to keep, but you also have to keep the ones that are going to be developed afterwards. Shasin Lishadesh. And that's why we quote the Pasuk in Esther, the Gemara in Shavuah's quotes, Kimu Vikiblu. Meaning, they, they fulfilled what Mashikiblu, what they'd already accepted. Now, the Rambam understands that to mean 
that they knew, based on the Gemara and Shavuos, that God, sorry, they knew that the Bezdin and, and new generations would create new things. And even at Harsinai or at Arvas Moav, the three million Jews, the 600,000 men, accepted upon themselves the mitzvahs to come. But the Gemara that talks about them clearly says some are not at Sinai. That there's some at Sinai and some that aren't. And that it clearly says there are other mitzvahs that are not part of Sinai. Which is Mikra Megillah. So he says, didn't anybody learn this Gemara? What's going on with people? They don't know how to learn Gemara anymore. The Rambam says, it's almost like the Lashon HaTalmud is considered Belage Safa, Belashon HaCheres. It's like the Talmud is written in some pigeon, pigeon language that they can't understand. Because the Gemara here for now, obviously, this Gemara actually indicates that maybe it was Messini, right? It really depends how you look at it, <laughs> right? The Rambam says that the Rambam says that they sort of were Makabel for the future, but it's clearly not what was done now. This Gemara actually could be indicating to say that the mitzvahs of the future were already implied by Moshe Rabbeinu, and maybe were already part of Sinai. So this, it's interesting, the Rambam uses this this Gemara in Shavuos to show how ridiculously wrong everybody else is, when actually, if you read this Gemara in Shavuos, it doesn't necessarily prove exactly what the Rambam wants. His way of reading, his what? way... Yeah, go ahead. What's the daf for that? That's so. It's um, so that's a gemara in Shuas. I think it's daf lamid tes, I believe. Okay. Uh, I think it's Shuas daf lamid tes. So that gemara clear. That gemara, the way the Rambam reads it, it's like there's this opaque bunch of laws that are coming in the future down the pike. But you're gonna have to do that too. Like sort of a saucer type of thing. But really, you could read this Gemara to say, hmm, maybe they sort of got a hint of things to come. But anyway, so therefore, the Rambam says that, uh, he says, you know, I, 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 he says, if you're going to count Ner Hanukkah and Megillah and Hallel, so why don't you count all the Losa says too? And there's so many of those, he says, Basically, um, obviously you can't count them all. Because if you count all the rabbinical mitzvahs, you're going to get thousands. And no one's going to say that that can't be. And clearly, anything that's rabbinical is not part of the prime 613. Because 613 is about, it's you can extract them from the verses in the Torah. You have to fulfill the other ones. And if you do, if you don't fulfill them, the Rambam says, in other words, basically it comes out like this. If somebody doesn't fulfill the mitzvah near Hanukkah, he's over Lososur. He's also over the Asay of Asis al-Piadov Yerucha. He's over Lososur. If someone decides not to like near Hanukkah, he's going to be, he's, he's a violator of Lososur. Um, however, you can't count it as one of Taryag. Because the only thing you count from Taryag is specifically things that you can get from the verses. Rabbi Kivalevitz, how, yes. where does this, this, this tr- tradition of Taryag come from? Okay. I mean, I know it's gotta be very old, but I, I, you know, where does he come from? It's sort of like a magic number, and okay. everybody knows that's the goal. So the Rambam starts, good question, Jack. The Rambam quotes the Gemara in Makos at the end of Darsh, of Rav Simoy's drasha. And it probably is in various, various midrashim. And in fact, the Ramban's first uh, criticism uh, is that maybe 613 is not a solid number. Maybe this whole idea of a specific number is really not true. And not everybody believes in it. Although he doesn't doubt that it does exist in some Midrashim and in some Gemaras, but not everybody ascribes to it. Imlav and Garti? Excuse me? Imlav and Garti? 
Okay, that's another right. That's another source, Richard. Right, but 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 the but the Rambam the Ramban does not is is is, is actually has Jack's question. Uh, maybe who says it's so essential that there should be taryag? Right. Obviously, it's a lot of fun because if there is taryag, it's like a chess game. You have to figure out what you don't put in. Right. If I'm going to knock this one out, what do I put in to replace it? Um. But but again, so here you see, basically, uh, the, the Rambam Shita. Uh, the Ramban, uh, and, you know, I, here's the Rambans, uh, the Ramban. So Ramban says like this. Now, the Ramban is going to explain why he's going to write this book and offer a defense on many, many levels to the Bahag. Does he think the Rambam's wrong? Why is he doing this? What I want to bring out, first of all, is I think, I, I hope I have proved my point, that we definitely get a sense who the Rambam's personality is. The Rambam would like to make the world a better place. And he feels that a lot of the obscurantists and strata, that's the detrius and strata and kowtowing and non-thinking and believing just because it was written in the past is standing in his way. He would like to clear the deck. And he feels he can help the world by doing so. And just to to put one last point on this as he says before to to pick some and not others it's impossible to accept to pick these rabbinical ones and not other ones umru misha umru i don't care who said it and I've explained this principle so well. Now, there's no human in the world who could ever doubt that I'm right. So I, I think you definitely see a lot of personality here. You see, he says, I don't care who said it. And I've explained, he said, nobody, nobody. And, and yet, one of the most illustrious defenses, powerful and brilliant, was offered by the other Rabbeinu Moshe. <laughs> so I think in one way, it really puts on the table who the Rambam is. Now let's talk about who the Ramban is, who's going to defend the Bahag, and he's, he's going to defend his listing of Hanukkah in the list of Taryag. So he says... He says, since I was a child, I've been raised in a certain way. From the time I came out of my mother in terms of understanding, I've pretty much, this is based on a Pesach and Eof, right? This is the way I've been. And I'm not going to change now. <laughs> so this is a book of his later years. I mentioned before that his Parashan Chumash was the next to the last book he wrote. The last book he wrote, I'm sorry, um, the, the, the three of his last works were his Parashan Eov, uh, Taras Odom was one of his last works, then the Parashan Eov and the Chumash. All those three were part of his later works. What he wrote when he was a young man was his his defense of Rif, of the Mohamos. And that's what he says. He says, I, when I was young, I wrote defenses. And now that I'm old, I'm still the same way. And the truth is, although people will say, like the Pasuk and Mishle says, that the fool lets out all his breath, Chocham ba'ochor yishabchenah. The Chochum who comes last can calm the storm. And this is part of my later phase of life. 
And I'm coming after what has already been here. I'm sort of the later writer. But I hope to be able to calm the storm. Because unlike the Rambam who saw them in many ways as well-intentioned, but bumblers who didn't take the time to be disciplined. The Rishonim, the Gaonim, they were, as far as learning goes, our basis. Those are what we build around. They teach us. They guide us how to understand things. They're the ones who, from it's from understanding them that we understand how to think about Torah. And we could therefore use them, although they're not necessarily talking to us, but we could borrow from their ideas and understand from them the pathways to all the greater paths of all the greater aspects of the world. What is the path I should go on? Very different than the Rambam. The Rambam says, you know, they are Chachamim, but they're wrong. Whereas the Ramban says, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe you're wrong, Rambam. <laughs> right? Maybe that's what's the matter. What's the matter is, is that, right? Now, what's happened in the later generations? Hamonim, Hamonim, Kulim, Tachamonim. Everybody's getting into the act. Everyone is writing. It's not just the Gaonim. It's not just the Reef. It's not just, now all of a sudden, Everybody starts to become a writer. Shagas Arroyos screaming. And what he's talking about here is especially in Provence that developed a very critical way of writing. That people didn't just write notes, but they insulted and they stocked and they uprooted. The Kushios, Havayas, questions, Lahashpil, Chomos, Benuyas, Talpios. They would try to destroy these walls that were built to be great uh, palaces that were supposed to be these great hills of wisdom. And people, they, they make it their point to try to just ask questions and to tear them down. And they have hair of pipios. They have swords because they're sharp-tongued and they know how to ask questions. And they can kill and give life. What do they kill? They kill wisdoms and ideas that shouldn't die. But by ridiculing it and making their arguments, they actually uh, try to throw things in the dustbin, which shouldn't be there. And then they try to... They give life to ideas which shouldn't really have life. They give life to new ideas, and they try to build bricks. Really, they are building weak... They're trying to strengthen weak hands. With what? With laws that are weak, with halachos that are weak. They're trying to, in a way, create bricks from, not from, from, from offer, from dirt that's already scorched and burnt that are going to fall apart. So what they're trying, what they're trying to replace, the edifices they're trying to replace should stand. And what they're replacing it with are weak. So the Ramban is saying, stop. We need to go back and examine the Rishonim. He says, I know I'm small. He says, when I was young, and I heard about a Kadosh who spoke. That, of course, is Alfasi. Rabbi Yitzhak Alfasi. And he wrote such an amazing book. And then one of the Sarim was Misgaber. One of the princes of the peoples, Rachi Alevi, the Balamar. He was a great man. But you know what he tried to do? Lintoch, Lintoch, Slavid. Instead of working hard to figure out what the riff meant, he dismissed him, smashing him. The riff was studied everywhere. The riff was considered the prime book after the Talmud. For many people, it replaced the Talmud. For many people, it was their prime learning. People, for a hundred years, people believed that he was the great man and knew he was the great man, according to the Ramban. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the Baal Hamor writes this book that sort of wants to dismiss him. 
I decided to become uh, to become a, a zealot. And God gave me the ability to hear and understand. And I, I decided to do research. And before I wrote my response back, of course, the Balamor had, had died. He was, uh, he was from a whole different generation, the Balamor. But he said, I readied myself and I got myself, I studied and I was ready. And and I said, that's not the way you should talk. Remember, just like the Rambam talked about in his guts, how it bothered him? You know what bothered the Ramban? What bothered the Ramban was swarm like the Balamar, that were against the great riff. And I knew that Sitkus of the riff was the thing that gave me strength. Even though it was a tough job, I was convinced that the Rishon that I was trying to defend even though sometimes the language was difficult, that was where the wisdom lied. And then I did such a good job. Now, once again, a little bit of pride in what he did. But not the same pride of the Rambam, but the Rambam writes about his pride being the pride that this is going to be the book, the perfect book, and nobody, and the other people are obviously wrong. I don't need to answer anybody else, and, and nobody can have any doubt. The Ramban is also, in a way, proud of what he did. And he said, I was able to restore the Torah back. I was able basically to, 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 to neutralize completely the work of that, of the Balamor. The Nibnis Altila. That's what, that's what I did when I was young. Now, what's shining on my, I have an old beard. It's gray now. And that's what the, the, the stars are there. I'm old, it's night. I found the book. It's actually a beautiful book, Sapir. It's got quite a good book. It's got a lot of nice things in it. Igros, Mikuteres, Morvikeda. It's actually full of beautiful things. It's actually a great book. I, I wouldn't replace it. He's, he he's clearly believes the Rambam is... Rama's book is a greater book than the Balamor's book. He knows how great the Rambam is. He knows the Rambam, in a way, has protected Judaism. He calls him Mivtsar Migdol, Binyan Babat. The work is about a subject that really is almost endless. And it's really deeper than anybody can figure out, which is how many mitzvahs and what's a mitzvah. And I see that as great as the book is, the Rambam takes his arrows against the Rishonim. He's bitter about them. Look again, screaming like a lion. The same language he he used before about the young upstarts. Remember? That's what he doesn't like, the kol shagos arroyos, the kol levim. He doesn't like all these lion screeches and growling against the previous ones. But the Rambam's doing it too. Now it's true. Shogolo kilavi, rayas lahavi, as he rhymes. He screams like a lion, but he's bringing proofs. But his proofs are that the Baal halochos Rav Shimon, hibutzar me'on was narrow-minded in the way he looked at things. And that he didn't really see things from a broad perspective. And that he was clouded. And that he had his eyes closed, his hands were tied, he just counted mitzvos blindly. Is Rav Shimon the same as the Bahag? Yes, that is who's right. That is, that is, it's it's unclear who the actual author is, whether it's Rav Shimon Kira or Rav Yehuda Baal, Rav Yehuda Gon, Rav Yudai Gon, but the the Ramban felt it was Rav Shimon. But his point is, he took this man and he made him look as if, again, you can see part of the reason Bob it quotes, it, it, it rhymes with the word Shimon. So I'll, I'll read it the way the Ramban wanted to read it. Shimon, Ma'on. This is based on a pasuk which indicates that he looked at things in narrowness, in a narrow way. In other words, the Ma'on, the Be- the Be'as Hashem, he looked at things narrowly about that. 
Lo umdu b'merchav raglov. He didn't stand in the broad place. Vanana tishkon alov. And the cloud was therefore on him. Be'inayim sigurot. Ve'yadayim asurot. Safara mitzvah mana. Shaga. Bipshutot. Vetobibrurot. And therefore, he, again, this is the rhyming. He, he made a mistake in simple things. But he's not simple. Who Erez Bilvanon? The Chvodu Begadol. I'd say Eden. He's an Erez. The Bahag, whoever he was, whether Shimon or Yehuda. The man who wrote that book is a giant, is a cedar. Lo Damu, Mayim Godlu, the water has raised him. To homos from Amu, the depths, these are all based on Psukim, the depths rise him up, called Sosam Leib Amu. You think things were closed off to him? But to say any Ruach, Wilmot Aleim Sus. And therefore, I decided to be Melamed Sus on him. Felibi Orev, Lahodia Larav. And this way I will make known to the Rambam. Of course, all of this is only in a literary way. The Rambam is dead already. The Rambam did not read this book. But he says, I will show the Rambam. I guess in the Ilama Emes. Again, it all rhymes here. The Libi That you didn't come to the end. You didn't come to the essence. You didn't come to the ultimate idea. You thought you understood it. You thought you got it right. It wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't a hard thing. So, this is, in a way, although he ends up really bearing his knuckles, I think a very instructive for us. Because I think it indicates the very solid differences between the two. The Ramban is sure that the truth lies in the predecessors. The same way I've made the case many, many times that the proof is in the Gemaros. And you can't just take one Gemara out of context. You have to look at the total body of work which the Ramban was a master of. Okay, he might not have known about Ibn Rashad. He might not have read the philosophers in the Arabic. But no, he was unmatched in terms of incredible bikiyas over all of Talmudic and Midrashic literature. Something which the Rambam could not match him in. But also in terms of his fealty and understanding of what learning is about. Learning is about getting from the previous generation and being perplexed, but then rereading and understanding. You need to realize those are the Omud and the Pina. The Rishonim create the glasses for us to look at it. And then we look at it with incredible, and we see what their brilliance is. Who's more brilliant, the Rambam or the Ramban? I don't know. The Rambam erases the blackboard and builds something new. While he's erasing the blackboard, he machine guns down his predecessors. The Ramban takes the predecessors, invests within them perhaps ideas that nobody else has seen. His defenses of the riff put into the riff brilliance that aren't on the page. He forces us to see the brilliance in those words. Is he being inventive? Do the words really mean what he says? I don't know. I would venture to say he might have been, he might have, he, however, he refuses, he, he, he creates and refuses to erase the blackboard. He creates within. He takes a structure that is already, in a sense, limited and binding. And yet he's able to see in it scope. He's able to see in it colors and ideas. He doesn't reject. He actually forces himself to go back to the sources and maybe suggest something new instead of leaving them in the dust. And I think that really is, a, is an essential difference. We'll talk more about how he, how he defends how the Baha can count Hanukkah next week. But I think what we've established here 
is 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 two funda- fundamental approaches to how learning should take place. Is are the Rishonim meant to be consulted because, well, if they've dealt with it first, I might as well check what they have to say. I'm, I, maybe they can instruct me, or am I bound by what they say? Are they is is the way I move in the armor that they fashion for me? And you'll say the armor. You're going to be so constricted. You're going to be. You're going to end up falling down like the knight in the armor who can't move around. But the, but the Ramban was able to to put that armor on him and fly with that armor. He was able within that to to, to actually see a, a, a truer connection to the Chazal. Whereas the Rambam really, in many times, found himself at odds in his new world, his brave, new, courageous world that he was creating. And I think, therefore, you know, these two approaches, and again, I'm sort of making this up now, but in a way that's part of really, you know, what we talk about creativity is really one and the other. They really go hand in hand, the yin and the yang, the Rambam and the Ramban. And it would be wrong to say that the Ramban is not inventive. I actually believe the inventiveness of the Ramban is even harder to pull off than the Rambam. It's much easier when you have a, a, a blank canvas. It's another thing when you have to take the old picture and and, 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 and and display it as something new and beautiful and fascinating, and yet it actually inspires you like the old one. It actually seems to be an extension of the old thing. And it fits like a hand in a glove. Whereas when you have the Rambams, uh, uh, what the Rambam does is an edifice that is sort of like out of whack. It stands by itself. Now, eventually, what the Rambam did was included back. But the Ramban never left. I think that's really crucial to see. And I now just want to finish off the Ramban's Introduction. One of my greatest desires is to be a Talmud. I want to be a Talmud to the Rishonim. Again, quote, rhyming. That's what a Talmud does. Again, they're on your neck. On your on your hand, around your neck, in terms of your identity, sort of like your insignia. On the other hand, you use them, and therefore the, the rishonim are what you're about. But also in terms of your the dynamism. I'm not just going to quote stuff. I'm not just going to be like a donkey that is there to help them. I'm going to actually choose, and he's going to be realized, he's going to be critical. He's going to know where to, to, to gauge and understand what they're about. And that's not just a follower. He isn't just, he's someone who, a, a real fan, a person really appreciates, a real, in a sense, a, a, an appreciative critic. If it's something that I can't grasp completely, if it's something that's beyond what I'm thinking, then I'm going to be a student, and even though they are, they're not in his time, but he's going to, if he needs to, he will disagree. He isn't just kowtowing. He isn't just, his intellectualism is gone. Again, when it comes to clarity, it doesn't make a difference. So again, he in many ways is close to the Rambam's mentality about it doesn't make a difference who the previous person was. Because even though he lives past their times, God could actually give wisdom and give new insight. And it wasn't that he was, he didn't, he wouldn't call himself mummified. But will you but if you have tamimus in the way you, you move, if you have a certain sense of belief, 
if you have a certain sense of not trying to just make a name for yourself or trying to knock other people down, HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually allows you to actually contribute in a way that becomes part of Netzach. And this is, of course, many, many of the brilliant things that are in the Sefer HaMitzvos, uh, the Rambam's Hasogas, really become part of our mentality. It becomes part of what we have now understood to be the truth, not just in terms of defense. So that, in a way, I think, as I said, really puts the Ramban in position. And I think it really gives us an understanding of how different they were and yet, the, you know, again, the subtle, subtle differences in their greatness. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.